This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast. I am Tyler Donahue. He is Sean Fitz, our producer Lance Glenn, working behind the scenes. And we've got a bunch to hit on on this episode. We've got recruiting, transfer portal. We still have to hear Sean's reaction to the latest Penn State commitment as he was out of pocket earlier this week. We had Brian Doan on our Tuesday episode of this podcast, National Recruiting Analyst with 24-7 Sports. I hope you listened to that. It was half hour going on 40 minutes of the latest breakdown on Nittany Lions recruiting. Of course, things are already evolving since then, but let's start in the practice field, Sean. First off, welcome back to town. Welcome back to the practice field on Wednesday. We were there for the start of it, and per usual, we saw a fair share of special teams work. We got a lot of kicking, a lot of returning, and that's about it. Uh, yeah, that's been the the kind of the crux of uh, of our access this spring has been a lot of the special teams work, and you know it's better than stretching, but at the same time, there's not a ton that you can take away. You know, kind of do a head count and see what's going on around the scenes, um, but uh, trying to make worth make make the most out of it. Uh, we do get James Franklin afterward. We did get Manny Diaz last night um, as well, so we got some some decent stuff coming uh, or actually up on the site at Lions twenty four seven already. Um, you know. You, you asked, uh, or it was it was asked of James Franklin about uh, Adisa Isaac and Celine Wormley, some of those guys that are transitioning back from missing the season last year. Big pieces of this Penn State team, um, but so far it looks like they're just kind of easing them in, which I think is the right call. We talked about this all off season, um, guys. Guys like Isaac, I mean, you're, you, there's no games to win in the spring. Um, but you've got to you got to do what you can to get them ready for the fall. And it looks like they're on track to to at least contribute. Um, and, and in Isaac's case, they're they're hoping he can take a step and and be that guy as a pass rusher because right now it's something that's sorely lacking on this Penn State defensive line. Yeah, that was my question. It led off the James Franklin scrum after the practice, and um, just bringing up Wormley and Isaac because those are both guys that we've gotten eyes on every time we've gone out and seen a practice, and they've been involved in drills. And and uh, I think in Wormley's case. It's been a really good thing to see that that he's uh, come along enough where the medical staff and the coaching staff is saying, get out there, put the pads on and go through some work. And somebody's got to play guard right now for the Nittany Lions. So that's a situation where they need bodies. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But over on the defensive front, James Franklin, although they, they referencing um, both Isaac and Wormley, kind of talked about a pitch count, a rep count that these guys are working through. And that's going to expand as they get through spring. And then you'd hope by the time you get into August camp that they're going to be really fully uh, able to participate. But he still says out of all the edge rushers, and he says they need edge rushers to step up. They're still looking for them in the transfer portal. We're going to talk about some possibilities in a moment. Uh, but he still says, despite the fact that Isaac is limited, he is the guy who was most consistently flashing in that role. And that's great to hear because they had extremely high hopes for him and what he was capable of doing in 2021. And Wormley as well, a projected starter. So two guys that didn't play it down for you in 2021, otherwise may have been starters all the way through back on the field right now. And, and based on the feedback, making progress. 
you look at what Penn State brings um, at that defensive end position, and that's kind of what we've talked about with the portal is you're not looking for another Nick Tarbert and another Smith Bilbert, a big guy that's going to hold up in the run game or do whatever uh, those guys' strengths are. Um, you're looking for a guy that can can splash off the edge. And and even James Franklin said it on Wednesday night, they're looking for another Arnold Evicati. I mean, you're not. it's going to be really tough to find another Arnold Evicati. Um, he was awesome. Um, and it w- what was funny is I was looking at the um, – uh, looking at the mocks this morning and the Penn State's, if you recall, Penn State's first target for an edge rusher last year before Ebicady came on the scene was Jermaine Johnson, who ended up at Florida State. And he's projected as a top 10 pick. So it, apparently they know what they're looking for. It's just a matter <laughs> of those guys being out there and the right guy at the right time. But uh, yeah, Adisa Isaac would go a long way in making you feel a lot better about that defensive end if he's fully healthy. Um, but at the same time, you still want to get those bodies in there. And, and we'll talk about that here in a second with the, with the portal. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting to watch, um, sort of how this defensive line has come together. Uh, Hakeem Beeman is a guy that was asked about last night. James Franklin's still pretty cryptic with that. And, and I'll say this, I mean, I, I think a lot of Hakeem Beeman's talent, but James Franklin's kind of the same, the same thing, very talented kid. He's got a lot of things to take care of before he gets back onto the field. And, and that's something that when you're, gauging expectations for a guy like Hakeem Beeman, who is still on the interior, still a defensive tackle. Um, that's something you've got to take into consideration there. And, you know, you've got guys like Devon Ellis that, that, that played a bunch last year. You got PJ Mustafer coming back. Jordan Vandenberg's coming on a bunch of bodies there to, to work through. Um, but Beeman, I think can be a very big piece of this defensive line. But as James Franklin said, you, he's got a lot ahead of him before he can be relied on to be that guy. And because of the just onslaught of positive news about Zane Durant and in his first few practices with Penn State, his first semester of Penn State, it's a little bit easier to kind of place Akeem Beam into the side when you're thinking about this group. And I still feel like you have to place Akeem Beam into the side when you're assessing this roster in the defensive line room. Otherwise, we'd be getting a little bit more clarity from some of these answers from James Franklin, which is now, you know, going back to, I guess, last August or September when, when there was some you know, buzz about something not being right with Hakeem Beeman and his role with the team. And ultimately, when they started playing games, that became obvious, shut down for the year, participating as a scout team member. And the phrasing here from James Franklin kind of basically sums it up for me and what we've been following. Uh, he says they want to put him in the best position to be a successful force. He's really grown up, big fan of his, but he's still got some work to do in a lot of areas. Yeah, and it's when, like you got you got to kind of drop the dot 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 at the end of that statement. Yeah, you and I were talking about this before. It's it, it's great to hear, um, you know, those kind of things where you, you he's talking around his situation, but you'd like to hear a little bit more emphasis on the football because the more Franklin or or whomever we talked about this with Clifford last offseason, the more the person talks about their actual football skills. I think the better that you know, the less you have to worry about what's going on to, to distract him from the football skills. So Beeman's a guy like that. And you, you you're, I mean, you're going to find that from time to time. But like I said, amazingly talented kid, just got a, a lot of things got aligned before you can count on him as a productive member of your defense. Yeah, a flash in 2020, but a lot has happened for this program since 2020. A lot has changed from a personnel standpoint and certainly in Akeem Beeman's personal life as he tries to continue his football career at Penn State. Sean, looking on the other side of the trenches, it's just something we're going to have to keep coming back to. It feels like after every one of these practices, putting together a two deep right now, not even from a talent standpoint, just from a physical being who has pads on on the football field standpoint is, is a challenge yeah. right now yeah it's tough right now for them uh they've got 12 total offensive linemen by my count on the current roster 11 of them scholarship players there was a question on the message board of lines 247.com earlier today 
normally there's some kind of group, uh, maybe a safety net of sorts with with offensive linemen who are walk-ons and they can they can take some reps and they can kind of ease some of that, uh, that that stress on other guys. That's not the situation right now. And we're seeing this team kind of trot out nine, maybe 10 offensive linemen. Some guys are playing multiple positions. Some guys aren't on the field right now. We did see Jim, Jimmy Christ reemerge as a tackle for, for Penn State after his absence for a couple of practices. But James Franklin went so far on, on Wednesday to say this issue of offensive line depth, with, which they think will be remedied this summer with the transfer and, and freshmen and some walk-on additions, it could impact the structure of the spring game at Beaver Stadium later this month. I mean, it's it's gonna something's got to give. Uh, they mm-hmm. they can't run out those guys, and and you know they're that's just potential. For, it's just giving yourself potential for more injuries there. Um, you know, you're switching over defensive tack, walk on defensive tackles like Alex Fermenic, um, just to just to fill out your 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 two deep there, and that's that's tough to deal with. We still didn't see Landon Tangwall second week in a row. I don't think that's a long term thing, but uh, you know, it's notable every time there's someone that's that's missing. I mean, whether it's Bryce Efner who hasn't been there, and we don't expect them there all all spring, Jimmy. Chris, who's been out, but he recently came back when there's personnel changes, when there's a guy not there, it's, it's glaring because that group is so small. Now you've got a couple of guys coming in this summer. And of course, Hunter Norzad coming in to, to compete right away um, in, in May. But yeah, that's a, that's a big, big, uh, obvious glaring hole in that roster right now. And you, you have this sometimes with spring, but I mean, it's, it doesn't, every time it pops up, it's not pretty. And of course, it's in a position room that is very much in, in facing a ton of scrutiny after 2021. And outside of Caden Wallace and Juice Scruggs, you know, we talked about the talent, the potential, but a lot of these dudes have spent plenty of time watching practice reps in their Penn State career to this point. It's very important to load up some of these guys up. And, and Landon Tengwall, you know, whether it's serious or not, these are missed opportunities for him to get comfortable playing alongside Juice Scruggs. You know, putting things in motion with what Phil Troutwine says. And additionally, there's a fine line. You want to load these guys up, but do you want to gas them through the next seven practices because you don't have enough bodies? And that includes in, in, in the blue-white game. So that's something that clearly the, the staff right now is trying to juggle and get to the point where Hunter Norzad comes and you got the cavalry of freshmen. And we're not talking about guys who are going to show up and push for starting jobs in that freshman group, but these are guys who can show up and block defensive linemen on the football field and give other guys a bit of a blow. Yeah, I'm just, I'm sorry, I'm counting offensive linemen. It looks like there's even fewer than when the spring started. Oh, uh, just 11 listed, of course, Efner's out. Uh, you don't have Tang Wall right now. I so. think they got Fermanic still as a, as a DT. Fermanic still uh, a D-tackle. Hopefully he doesn't go the way of uh, Marquise Wilson on that opening, uh, on that spring day <laughs> roster where he's listed as the athlete, so he got listed as nothing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it, it's going to be tough to to work around that because, I mean, you, it, you, you would love for them to be able to take these steps and, and get out in front of all this kind of stuff and, and actually... I don't want to say have time for improvement, but the more guys that are there, the the safer you are to work with those guys and the, and the more willing you are to work with those guys. And that's, that's tough for them to work around. Uh, it's great for a guy like JB Nelson, you know, for who comes in and he's going to play guard, going to play tackle, wherever it's going to be. And he's going to get a lot of reps and try and grow up really fast. And, and you kind of want that for that class of 2020 that we've talked about so much. Um, but it's it's going to be tough to work around, and that's uh, that's not a great place for Phil Trout one to be. Um, as I said, reinforcements are coming, but that doesn't really do you much good for the blue white game in a couple of weeks. And a lot of work for guys like Ibrahim Traore, uh, Israel Golden Chumba. Um, 
how is that working out? Certainly be curious to hear uh, by the time we get through spring ball, if James Franklin wants to read through a two deep for us again and how maybe that has changed since he did it in the start of uh, March 21st at the start of spring practice. Um, one positive note uh, uh, to get to from a depth perspective is that quarterback and James Franklin said, look, based on just what you have on the roster in, in Christian Veyu right now versus what you had on the roster last year, you already feel better about what is behind your anticipated starting quarterback. And James Franklin said, uh, kind of tongue-in-cheek with the media, that we knew as well as anybody that you didn't know what a backup quarterback was going to do until he went in there and had game reps. Christian, of course, essentially handled the, the quarterback role against Rutgers with Sean afflicted by the flu, played significant snaps in the bowl game late, though it was a bit of a mess there in the second half for Penn State's offensive plan. Sean, I think it's just worth noting again that this guy wasn't asked about when Mike Yersich stepped up to the microphones last week. We're so quick to bridge that gap from the sixth-year guy to these 18-year-olds. Very important member of this roster, especially if Drew Aller and Bo Perbula are not ready to make that surge heading into September. Well, whether they are or not, you just look mm -hmm. what you said in your first point was they they're further ahead than they were last year. And they played with fire last year to get Sean Clifford up to speed for that new offense. And, you know, it took a, you know, it took reps, reps away from Roberson, reps away from Bayou. And then they find themselves in the situation that they found themselves in and, and ultimately got burnt bad with it. So um, this year you, you feel, I mean, miles better than you did last year going into this. You've got a little bit of a game experience with Christian Veyu, um, and you got a ton of talent back there just looking through um, or watching those guys throw the ball. It, it's different. I mean, the ball kind of jumps out of Drew Aller's hand. We knew that coming into it, um, but you've got a lot to like behind that, and I think that's that's huge. And and again, we we forget about Veyu because he is that gap between the the longtime starter and the shiny new object, and uh, you know, I think he's a talented guy. I think he's been always been a talented guy, and um, I'm really excited to see his progress because i think we see a lot of him in the blue white game you like the frame with with christian you, you you like a lot about what he can do physically um but one thing that maybe went under the radar a bit last year is he was you know replacing Ro roberson as the number two quarterback and, and getting involved we kept hearing about his demeanor the way he handled himself the way he was you know absorbing things from clifford as a veteran rather than as a newcomer and now the way that franklin described him on wednesday calm cool collected Remember what we saw from the backup quarterback position last year when we had to watch that. That was everything that wasn't calm, cool, and collected. So we'll see what comes from it. But to your point, you're already ahead of the game, and now you have developmental pieces working in this room. Mike Yersich has a lot to answer for coming out of 2021, but you really like the way he's reshaped his quarterback room. Now can you get the results on the field? Um, Sean, speaking of freshmen, um, yeah. we did see a lot of special teams work. One thing that popped up was um, the use of some of those early enrollees, Nick Singleton, Caden Saunders, Omari Evans, really special athletes here. They're going to impact the running back position, the wide receiver position. A lot of running backs were involved. Daquan Hardy involved back there at kick return. But, you know, these guys, uh, they go out there and you, you can see these are blue chip kind of talents, whether they can put it all together and become polished Big Ten football players We'll learn down the road, but you can notice them on the field. Yeah, the speed shows up, especially with Evans and Saunders. Those guys are are burners, and which which is something that that not only that wide receiver group needed, but you know you give a chance to to a guy to, to to make a return, and you know that's really been something that's been lacking the last couple of years. Is you've got you know Devin Ford back there, and and guys that are you you trust with the football, and that's fine. 
But these guys, I think, have a better chance of, of busting one and getting one, getting the angle and going. Uh, I'm really excited to see what Evans can do. Uh, he's got that 4-3 four, three, four, three and change speed um, from what he tested last year, and then he showed up on campus and sort of matched that. Um, the, the one you mentioned you kind of slipped in there that I've been pushing for for a long time, Daquan Hardy back there. That dude can play football. I mean, he can he can put he can be on any team that that I'm coaching because he just finds a way to make plays, whether it's defense, whether it's special teams. James Franklin talked once again uh, for the 50th <laughs> time the about story. that yeah. state title game. I love what he said though. He's like, you know, they get caught up in measurements sometimes, and this staff does it all the time. Just gets caught up in in you know measurables and testing numbers and things like that. He goes out there and has a game like that, and and, and Franklin said he looked at Terry and said, "We're making this too hard on ourselves." Sometimes you got to do that. Sometimes that's the direction you have to go with a guy that might be on the line or might be, you know, just, uh, you know, deficient in one or two areas. Um, and then you can go and, and be a football player like that. So I, I really, really want to see. I know they they like to have offensive guys back there, but I really want to see Daquan Hardy re return some kicks this year. We've heard that state title game a lot about Hardy. One thing, though, it still took, what, another two months for him to actually get that Penn State offer right at, at the 11th hour of this process. And uh, what gave a, them a lot of time to talk themselves out of it. And they, they eventually yeah. did not. And that that's surprising because it, it happens an awful lot. Um, with Hardy, by the way, he was brought up uh, during Diaz's uh, interview, which we're going to get to in a moment, uh, during the Franklin conversation, a guy that they clearly love. Um, the versatility has shown up. We talked about him maybe stepping up as a safety down in Tampa if it was necessary. We know what he's done in kind of stabilizing and, and, and really enhancing uh, that coverage in the nickel role. Um, curious to see how his role grows, what it means for maybe the linebacker usage as this defense, the defensive scheme comes together. But a lot to like about Hardy as he enters year four. Or, uh, come a long way for, since that re recruitment that really was close to shutting the door out of him for, for Power 5 uh, competition. Sean, the one other thing to get here for special teams is the place picker competition. Last year, Jordan Stout held on to it for most of the year. Jake Pinnegar resurfaced late. Um, didn't impress when we saw him down in the Outback Bowl with, with, a, with a long distance try. Sanders Sahadak took the red shirt last year. He was the number one kicker in 24-7 Sports 2021 rankings. Um, what we saw on Saturday, uh, on Wednesday was a little bit more of the same. Sanders Sahadak, the ball just flies off his foot. You hear it, especially when we're indoors like we were yesterday. Jake Pinniger, bit of a scramble for him yesterday. Uh, an ugly, wobbly miss wide left from 35 yards out. He had a slip on a short yardage attempt. I wasn't sure if that was extra point or a short field goal attempt, but regardless, wasn't pretty. And it just feels like this thing's wide open and it's a juxtaposition where you've got a player with all of his eligibility left and you got Jake Pinnegar who's using bonus eligibility from the NCAA. And you've got a new special teams coach who's got a clean yeah. slate. So, I mean, you're, you're talking, you know, you've got the charts from last year about how these guys hit, but at the same time, he didn't see that with his own eyes. Uh, Stacey Collins didn't see that with his own eyes. Um, yeah. It, it feels like it's open. Um, Pinnegar, um, I, I think it's unfair to judge based on the couple of kicks that we see, but sure. you know, it certainly looks to be like it's pretty open. And, and as you mentioned before, it's just there's something different about the way that the ball comes off of Sahadak's left foot. Um, so we'll see if that that becomes an issue as something that's settled in spring. Um, you know, you've got two scholarship kickers. That's not a typical situation for for a college program to have two guys that can overlap like that. But at the same time, I mean, you, you I don't think you want to find yourself in a situation where you name a starter in the spring and then the other guy hits the port. I'm not saying that will, won't happen, but this is a situation where you want to have as much talent on the roster as possible. And we've seen kickers 
go by the wayside before. So um, be be just an interesting one to track for this offseason um, because I think it's it's probably closer than you think it is. You would think if Jake Pinnegar is coming back, he would be the starter in, in his in his final year, his extra year. Um, but you you got to give the job to the most talented guy. We'll see how that happens. Just did a quick rundown of Pinnegar through four years, nine of 17, uh, make it nine of 18 from beyond 40 yards, Sean, in his career. Stout handled things from 50 and beyond. We saw that play out the last couple of seasons. Uh, but Pinnegar came in and was really given a, a, quite a leash, 24 field goals attempts as a freshman, held on to that job through the 2019 season when they won 11 games. He missed only one field goal along the way. Um, but the last couple of years, there was a streakiness to him in 2020. Uh, it cost him at times. And this is probably a competition that we should be asking James Franklin about or talking more about because you consider how many one possession losses Penn State suffered and how that tipped the scales and what we are now talking about with the 2021 season. Hey, kicks can can go one way or the other. It happened last year. And, and if they don't figure this thing out, I'm not saying they don't have two talented options here to sort through. But it's something that you want to have pretty buttoned up and go on the road to Purdue. You don't want to feel like you're one kick away from sending in the next guy when you're on the road in week one. Yeah, and I feel like that that freshman year is dragging him down 16 to 24. Um, you know, obviously you're hitting two thirds of your kicks. That's not uh, that's not ideal. But he bounced back. Was 11 of 12 in 2019, as you said, and then nine of 13 in 2020, which is is fine. I mean, it's not the, it's not the worst thing in the world. But uh, you know, you would like to ha have it match that uh, that 2019 season. So I think there is there is leash there because he's done it before. But at the same time, I mean, there's questions about whether he can do it consistently. And that was a question last year with Jordan Stout. So so we'll see yeah. what Stacy Collins thinks. And I think I do think it's an important note that he is the new special teams coordinator. He did not recruit either of those guys. He does not have the, you know, whether you call it loyalty or whatever, he does not have the the loyalty favored in one way or the other. And I think he's going to tr try and figure out who the best guy is. Since the Cotton Bowl in 2019, Jake Pinnegar has made one field goal from beyond 40 yards. He's only attempted four field goals from that distance, but been a long time since he was asked to consistently contribute um, and, and doing so from a, from a long distance range, which seems to be in Sahidak's wheelhouse, if anything is. Um, Sean, moving over to the defensive side of the football, we did get Manny Diaz. First time that he has spoken with Penn State media beat since he was introduced in December. Um, he mentioned this. The 2022 defensive roster was pretty much on showcase down in Tampa leading up to the Cotton Bowl. He had a guy like Jesse Lucchetta playing, obviously heavily involved as a Mike linebacker. Um, but overall, because of those opt-outs, he had mentioned you know, he was an observer and he was very careful to say he didn't want to draw too much judgment. He wanted to enter the spring and the winter workouts with a clean slate. But he did have the benefit, although it was to Penn State's defensive detriment that week, of getting an early look at what his personnel would be. Again, the only scholarship addition since Tampa, Zane Durant, the freshman defensive tackle. Yeah, I mean, the silver lining all, all along with that Outback Bowl is you're going you know, to play younger guys. Those guys like Jalen Reed can step up. You're going to see what you can get with Keaton Ellis and, and you know, work in some of those young linebackers, Tyler Elston, Kobe King, um, which, you know, it's an extended spring, you know, spring practice when you get those bowl practices in with all, without all your veterans, especially on that side of the ball. So, um, I mean, it, he's still got a lot of work to do. He's got he's got some pieces in place to work and build around. Jair Brown is a guy that he mentioned. He came out and was like, uh, you know, all about Jair Brown. He said he was what well, was it, an honor to coach Jair honor. Brown. Yeah. Um, if you had 11 of them, you wouldn't need a coach. Okay. Um, I guess that's how we're doing it. But uh, yeah, I think Jair Brown's going to make it a lot easier for him in the back end. Uh, same with Joey Porter. They've got a, a, a decent amount of experience back there to go with breaking in new starters and Kalen King and whoever wins that other safety job.
it just seems like Jair Brown got on that plane uh, probably before they 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 get, got even left Tampa, and he was just took the mantle. Uh, I mean, he he has yeah. really answered the bell for a defense, especially that lost some talented players, some vocal players. His close friend Jaquan Brisker, most notably in that defensive backfield, really feels like they had that captain who can patrol and point things out at the back end of this defense. And and in speaking with Manny Diaz on Wednesday, he feels like at all three levels of his defense. He has a legitimate leader in place at linebacker. He mentioned Jonathan Sutherland, Sean, and this is a guy that whether our listeners are going to buy it or not, there has been some positive feedback beyond what we heard publicly on Wednesday from Manny Diaz. Yeah, this is one that we've heard uh, a couple of things over the weekend about Jonathan Sutherland settling in. And, you know, we're, we're kind of in the in the ballpark where we've seen it's kind of like Clifford on the offensive side of the ball. People are really tired of hearing about Jonathan Sutherland, but um, we're kind of in the believe it where we see it uh, or believe it when we see it type uh um, status with him on the defensive side of the ball, but they switched him to Sam. It uh, seems to have taken to it. I think he's, you know, the the less space that you put him in, the the, the better opportunity he's going to have. So I'm 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 intrigued to see what what's going to happen with that because he he needs to be a guy that you lean on. Um, just from a leadership standpoint, a veteran standpoint, uh, whether or not that means he's getting a majority of reps without or out there, if if it means Hardy's on the field more, whatever have you. Uh, Jonathan Southern is an important part of this team. And I know people don't like to hear that, but he's an important part of this team. Um, we'll see whether he can do that on the, on the actual football reps, because that's obviously what we're here to talk about. That's obviously what matters. So, um, you know, we've heard good things. We'll, when, when we see it out there, you know, we'll, we'll be more accustomed to it, to roll with it. Uh, the other leader that he mentioned on the defensive front, no surprise here, P.J. Mustafer, even removed from practice action right now. Uh, the peer accountability aspect of this whole thing that you hear with P.J. Mustafer and the corrections that he is helping make for some of the younger defensive linemen, the emerging defensive linemen, very beneficial for that group up front. Um, and, and so when, when you kind of roll through some of those things, people might say, well, what about Curtis Jacobs? Why isn't he coming up? Um, we've heard a little bit about the, the leadership aspect, the vocal aspect of his repertoire is is under development. And right now he's picking up a new defense, moving over inside to the Will linebacker position from the Sam spot last year. And it sounds like he gets his footing there. He starts to get his footing as a leader. I think that's something that will come through game action, if anything. Certainly preseason camp will help. But Diaz saying he is at home at Will Linebacker. I think Jacobs, when asked about his position move, well, was very uh, tight-lipped about it. Maybe thought he couldn't mention it. At the same exact time, his defensive coordinator was praising about how Jacobs is ready to roll at Will. I hope so. I mean, they, they rely on that Will for so much. We've seen it over the last couple of years. Um, you know, I thought he was a perfect Sam. Unfortunately, the, I think the personnel did not really lend itself to that. We saw him play the Will in the Outback Bowl. He, Again, I think he's one of the most, if not the most talented guy on this defense. And I'm, I'm excited to see him play. I think he's a guy that if you put him at either spot, he'd be fine. Um, you know, he, he, he could excel. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see how this happens because he's going to be on the field basically every play this year, I think. It feels a little bit, and I can understand why there might be some trepidation from people where last year a lot of the focus was Brandon Smith, year three, second year as a starter. He's going to become that kind of defensive game record that they need. They need a guy like that right now. Curtis Jacobs certainly checks off a lot of those boxes, but we got to see it. We got to see him go out there and deliver um, with a lot of pressure on him, not being the fifth, sixth, seventh guy in this defense. Uh, he's going to have that target on his back, and they're going to need him to step up and deliver because elsewhere at linebacker, Sean, uh, the Mike spot is going to be 
you know, uh, competed for through preseason camp. Um, we'll see if we have a definitive starter by the time they're getting to that week one game week. But Kobe King, Tyler Elston at the forefront of this, as many DS continues to stay, it's a daily kind of grind. He's, he's, he wants, he doesn't want to get too far ahead of himself with that conversation because he says it's going to go through summer. It's going to go into August and they're going to settle that thing. But he did say, again, Abdul Carter coming in. Mike Linebacker is where they see him. Keon Wiley coming in as a freshman. Will Linebacker is where they initially slot him in this defensive plan. And he talked about those two and denied then a sudden on the defensive line as guys that they're going to do everything within their power to make sure come to campus compete to push for immediate reps and you know take it for what it's worth Manny Diaz says he's not he's it, he wants to push all thoughts of, of red shirts aside and focus on finding the best defensive fits rest assured there are a lot of thoughts about personal management and red shirt management and all that stuff in the Penn State football facilities but he sounds like he's chomping at the bit to get an influx of talent they would love to add a veteran a fit a, a transfer player who can come in here and really step up as a starter pretty quickly but right now, Manny Diaz licking his chops over some of these high school standouts. I don't know how realistic it is and how many you can count on, but they got a good group coming in. Yeah, very curious to see. Because obviously you look at Deny Dennis Sutton and say that he can step in right away, join that rotation. We'll see where he's at um, in late September, early October. Because, I, don't, I mean, it's 6'5", 250. He's got the size to come in and go. Abdul Carter also has the size to come in and go. I mean, he's six pushing 6'4", uh, 235, 240 pounds. He obviously can run. Um, I'm, I'm not sure where he's at in terms of reading keys and all that kind of stuff. But if you put him at Mike behind Tyler Elsden and Kobe King, whichever way you want to, uh, whichever way you want to order them, um, he brings something different athletically. So I'm excited to see, uh, you know, how his transition goes. But you know, I, I'm kind of tapping the brakes there because he hasn't been asked to read keys or anything like that over the last couple of years. Um, you know, Keon Wiley's got some size to add and things like that. So um, obviously, deny Dennis Sutton is is the guy that you're looking to for that. But I can see why Diaz is excited. You I mean you you, you have. Um, you know, uh, d deficiency numbers in, cer in certain positions. And you've got guys that you don't have to recruit, guys that are already signed, guys that can come in and, and, and potentially help you out. And we love the shiny new toys. We love all that kind of stuff. But in this case, these guys couldn't possibly crack through and, and, and make uh, something out of uh, the situation that they're in right now. You think about it, a defensive coordinator coming in December. Now it's the point where April the only addition is Zane Durant, and he has been one hell of an addition by all accounts as a freshman. But that's pretty interesting in this day and age of college football where we see such roster turnover and we see the transfer portal working and we see guys racing to enroll early. The offense had a major infusion here, but I just have to imagine Manny Diaz is sitting there and thinking, okay, yep, same group I've seen since Tampa. I mean, I like these guys. I'm starting to get a feel for them, but you got to imagine he's looking around the corner, not trying to rush time because he needs every spring practice he can get, but come May and June – that room, that meeting room is going to expand and, and you're going to start to get a longer look at possibilities because uh, they've got a lot of scenarios that could play out from a personnel standpoint, I think, depending on positional strength. And we'll see how some newcomers factor in and if they're able to pull off something in the transfer portal. Well, and you look at a, a situation like Dennis Sutton. I mean, you've got guys, even guys that are veterans. Smith Vilbert hasn't played a ton. Zariah Fisher hasn't played a ton. Davon Townley's ahead of him, hasn't played at all. Um, you know, you've, you've got a situation where even though you've got older guys, you don't have a ton of experience. So it's going to be easier to knock them off that ledge and, and try and figure out where they're, uh, where he can fit into it. Uh, you know, whether that's a potential starter by October or something like that, or just a rotational piece, um, that's something to be discussed later with those guys. But at the same time, if you're, if you're good enough to, to crack that rotation, that's what matters. We'll be right back on the Lions 24 seven podcast.
eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. You mentioned a, a bit of a mystery man this spring, uh, Davon Townley. How about that? Uh, yeah, it's a guy that we haven't seen much of, but he gets mentioned by Diaz when talking about the need to find new pass rushers. He mentioned, uh, by the way, about Adiza Isaac, that he makes cornerbacks better. That's about as good of a compliment that you can give to an edge rusher. I think that was interesting, but he really, like Franklin, made it a point to hammer home the fact that they need to find some new ingredients. They need to find some new factors off the edge to consistently alleviate some pressure off that secondary and give a very talented secondary some room to maneuver with, with, with some of that depth. Yeah, and we we talked about a guy like Jared Verse from Albert, excuse me, Albany, um, ended up at Florida State, and he's kind of in that mold of the Tarburtons and the Vilberts and things like that. I mean, you you want to have a guy, as Diaz mentioned, that's going to make your corners look better by getting to the quarterback as quickly as possible. It's a really good compliment by a really different and good compliment by Diaz about Adisa Isaac, but you're looking for somebody else that can come in. Um, and and make that happen. You mentioned Townley. We haven't seen him at any of those practices on Wednesday, but he is practicing. I mean, we've we've talked to other people in the program, and he is out there um, other times. Maybe just doesn't like us, which I, I get it. You know, it's, it's <laughs> we get it. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see where he's at. Uh, you know, it'd be nice to get uh, to get a peek at him on one of these Saturdays or something like that. So um, yeah, you've got the, you've got a situation like that, but they're still looking at the portal. They're still looking at. Linebacker, defensive end, you know, offensive line is still kind of on the back burner. Tyler Steen's probably going to go to Alabama, uh, the Vanderbilt transfer. So that's that's an interesting wrinkle in there. Although Penn State kind of fell off to the wayside um, with that over the last couple of weeks. I think Penn State on the offensive side of the ball, looking to see where they stand at, at some positions before moving forward and seeing what's out there. Um, there there was a an influx of talent on the defensive line the, in the last week, and that's the thing about the portal. You never know when it's going to pop up. Akeem Mesidor uh, from West Virginia popped out of nowhere last week. He visited uh, over the weekend. Uh, it's friends with Jesse Lucetta, part of that Gridiron Academy. He's camped at Penn State before. They're, they're you know fairly familiar with him, did not offer him out of high school, ended up at West Virginia, but he's always had Penn State high on his list, and he's going to go Miami this weekend. And then Damian Robinson, after that mailbag question last week about uh, how's that going to work, and we don't think Penn State will be in it because of the NIL stuff. Um, he's slated to be on campus this weekend. Whether he makes it or not uh, <laughs> remains to be seen and how that works with with NIL and things like that because we've mentioned not a ton of confidence uh, coming from the NIL side from Penn State so far, um, but that's a situation where 
you've got them on campus. You're trying to make uh, not promises, but you're trying to make it look as as good as possible. So we'll see where that goes with Damian Robinson. Just to get him on campus, I think is a is a big step for Penn State. And uh, see if he can maybe work that out. Does he does he value staying close to home? Does he value potential immediate playing time? Because I think it is there with Penn State. Does he value um, NIL above all? So there's there's a lot of things that you don't think about. And, and frankly, even touched on this last night as he was making his thinly veiled pitch that they still need help in the transfer portal. That it's very different. Than covering actual recruit, you know, high school recruiting because the priorities are so different for these young men. Yeah, and you've mentioned this before a few times. We saw Robinson on the practice uh, on the practice field at Penn State working with prospects as a rising senior. I think he was at the time, but I think Curtis Jacobs, Tyler Elson were out junior, there. He's a year younger junior. than Curtis Jacobs, so he was he was a young guy right. out there because it was Jacobs and Tyler Elson, and you know, I think Nick Singleton was a part of that group that was out there as well. Um, and you know, it's. Uh, always thought the world of Damian Robinson as a talent thought he could be a linebacker. He's a little bit bigger now. He's about six, three and a half, two fifty. Um, so they're looking at him as a defensive end, but you know, he's always been listed as that, you know, guy, you're going to find this hard to believe they compared him to Micah once upon a time in terms of what they thought he could do in this defense. So um, you think they real- won't do that again this weekend. No, I mean they're going to do everybody that walks in the building. Yeah. So, um, but no, it's uh, it, I think he's a very talented guy. Did not play, um, did not start a ton of games for Maryland. I think he just started one game for Maryland this year, but played in 13. I think there's a ton of potential there. Um, you know, just not a not only a guy that you can come in and play right away, but also in the long term can be a really good player. This is one where if you can pull this off, and you talked about what they may be up against from an NIL standpoint, you are getting that potential plug and play piece that you need in the front seven. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Uh, you know, you don't want to assume anything, but you're also really giving a gut punch to that team to the South at Maryland. Uh, this is a guy that they really you know, heralded in coming into town. So I know there's no love lost, but it'd be a nice yeah, little cherry on to top do that of the last great opposition. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so there's the transfer portal update. The way these things move, you want to stay updated on lines247.com. A a lot happening. Uh, The Robinson news kind of surfacing earlier in the week. Sean was able to confirm that, report that out on Wednesday. uh, And we'll see what comes to fruition in the next few days there. Um, Elsewhere on campus, Sean, uh, we've mentioned this being a notable recruiting weekend. Some things up in the air. But before we get to that, we missed your reaction on this podcast to the commitment on Sunday from tight end Andrew Rappelier. Uh, Brian Doan obviously was with us last episode. We, we went spent probably 10 minutes talking about this edition, what it could mean, the tight end history here at Penn State, how that plays a role. What's your initial reaction to this edition? And this is one that was trending towards Penn State even before that Michigan commitment label was fully peeled off. Well, first off, thanks to Doan for joining us in the first episode this week. I only made it about a minute in before he took a shot at me, and then I shut it off. So <laughs> thanks, thanks, for, thanks for showing up. <laughs> um, but uh, now, Rappelier, Penn State's been high on him. He's been very high on Penn State. He actually tried to commit to Penn State in January. Um, it did not work out because they had just taken Neo Avery. Of course, Mega Barnwell was in the class, then listed as a tight end. Um, Joey Schlaffer um, was in there as well. So a lot of tight ends, as we've talked about, there just was, they, they tried kicking the can down the road. Didn't really work. Uh, Michigan came in, offered, he, he's been high on Michigan before, but he always kept Penn State in the back of his mind. Of course, he was back on campus in March. Um, so this was a situation where, you know, it looked very good for Penn State for a while, despite that Michigan commitment. Um, and, you know, he just went with his heart at the end of the day. As a player, um, this is a kid that's going to draw comparisons to Pat Fryermuth for a couple of reasons. I don't know if you guys 
guys talked about it before, but you know, the reclassify is a little bit older. He's a big guy. He's not just a, a glorified wide receiver can put his hand in the dirt and do some things. That's kind of how Pat was. I haven't seen him in person, so I'm not going to, you know, comment on the talent level in terms of how he compares to Pat coming out because you and I both saw Pat at camp and we're like, this dude is for real. Um, hopefully for Penn state's sake, Rappelier is the same way. Um, but we will see with that, but I think it's a kind of a, you know, there's a lot of parallels in that recruitment. There's a lot of parallels in in the way that he came about. And I think he's a, he's a really good player. I think he's borderline. Um, I think we have him as an 88 and 24-7 sports. And he's right on, right on that um, line for the composite four-star. But I think he's a really good player. I think he'd be very productive here. Yeah, I think he is. A, I think he is a little bit pushed all over that line for four-star and composite rankings. As Brian Doan said, this is the kind of kid if you can go get some verified testing numbers, uh, put them out there this spring, you could see him make a jump in twenty-four-seven sports rankings. Uh, and and by the way, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think he is in the same league that Pat Fryermuth Fryermuth finished up his career up there in Massachusetts. And and Fryermuth popping up again, playing a role. He, he was chatty with theo johnson during that recruitment and now here he, he was chatty with jerry cross last cycle and that fryer moves the gift that keeps on giving for this penn state football program at tight end i know mike Kosicki stepped in as well fryer moves a guy though that really seems to resonate with some of these younger players obviously very fresh off of his college career um sean another visitor in town earlier this weekend yesterday in fact and, and, and brian alluded to this when he was on with us out of philadelphia four-star edge rusher jameel lyons uh, priority position uh, every cycle, uh, no different this time in 2023. Uh, and a guy who got back to campus, and as Brian Doan reported on, on Lines247.com, continues to kind of see a lot of things that could draw him to Happy Valley at the end of this recruitment. Yeah, uh, the guy that Penn State staff's very high on. They had him in camp last year. It did really, really well. Um, grades have been an issue, but he's he's seemingly improved them. And I think there's a lot going for Penn State right now. I mean, is it is it a crystal ball pick? And then, We'll see. He's got a round of visits. I think he's at Pitt today. Going to go to West Virginia. So he put out that top five. Penn State, I think, obviously stands out from that top five. And you know, we felt uh, felt pretty good about where Penn State stands for Jamil Lyons. And I think he could be a guy that's you know on the ascent when you're talking about rankings. I know Steve Wilfong saw him down in a seven on seven. A couple other guys have seen him. He's a big guy. He continues to um, you know impress as you know a seven on seven. You're not going to take away too much as an edge rusher, but when you can get out there and run around with skill guys at that size at 6'4", 245, about where he's at right now, then that there's a lot to like there. So I think I think Jameel Lyons, very realistic target for Penn State, keeps moving up the board. I asked Brian on Tuesday, long-term, you know, what are some things that Penn State, you know, what do you need to be looking for right now? And, and one thing he mentioned pretty quickly, he said, keep getting Quentin Martin back on campus as much as you possibly can. The composite five-star will be back in town for the blue-white game. He put out a tweet confirming that on Wednesday. He's a guy who I think is, is inside the top 25 for our rankings, um, would be in that five-star range if there were 32 five-stars already for this 2024 class. There are not. Uh, but the number one player in the state of Pennsylvania and a, a guy that you know earlier in this process was very, very excited to get a Penn State offer. And to this point, uh, things are going to blow up for him. They're going to expand for him. But Penn State doing a really nice job building rapport before this thing really takes off for the 2024 recruit. Yeah, and they're recruiting him as a running back. I think he can play a couple different positions at the next level. But I think the best thing that could possibly happen is if Nick Singleton were to come in, PA guy. Um, you know, tell me if you've heard this story before, but PA guy getting <laughs> carries early, you know, doing some things as a special kind of athlete. I think that could appeal to Quentin Martin and and really could um, really help Penn State in the, in the long run. But you're right. 
number one here, just keep getting, you know, keep getting him back on campus, keep building up that profile, that relationship. And, and, and I think good things can happen with Martin, but I still think, you know, this, this guy's going to be a national recruit. You mentioned five-star composite ranking. Um, he's, he's a good one. He's a good one. He's a standout on any field that he plays on. Um, you want to have the, as many of those guys in your locker room, but so does Ohio state. So does Notre Dame. So does these big schools that are going to come in for Quentin Martin. Um, I think that he'll probably get an earful in Beaver Stadium that Saturday from Cooper Cousins, who remains the only 2024 commit for Penn State. He also landed inside the top 24-7 that debuted this week for the 2024 class. He's at number 243 overall, number 12 among interior offensive linemen. This was another name that was brought up uh, when Brian was on with us Tuesday. Brian talked about, look, he's playing center. He, he, we have him evaluated as an interior offensive lineman, but you look at the size, you, you look at this guy's ability to move out in space, he could play tackle. Um, I caught up with Cooper uh, yesterday, a story up on, on Thursday. Um, positional versatility stands out with this young man. But I'll tell you what, a six foot five, two eighty five plus, he, he may be maybe beyond that at this point. Um, this is a foundational piece and a guy who is really excited to start recruiting. I, I'm curious to learn more about his personality as, as we get through the next couple of years. But they got a guy who is really happy to be the ambassador for this 2024 class, and that doesn't always work out with the mentality of every high school sophomore. Yeah, you're right. I mean, this is a it, it's a different it takes a different kind of kid to take the lead on that, especially for an offensive line. I mean, you, you take a look at the most vocal guys that have been around and it, you, a lot of those times are skill guys, quarterbacks and things like that. So to be an offensive lineman, uh, to make that happen is, uh, it, you know, it's going to take a, a different kind of personality and hopefully he's got that. Um, I mean, you, you mentioned it six, he's six, five and a half, 300 pounds. He's got tackle length, um, which this is one of those things that we talked about. I think last week is Penn state's, offensive line recruits keep getting bigger and that's a good thing in terms of it's not just uh you're finding guys that are six six or whatever but they've got length to play this is a guy that is going to draw excuse me as i can continue to uh compare guys to penn state's uh, recent standouts he's going to draw connor mcgovern comparisons because this is a guy that plays on the interior in the offensive uh, on the offensive line plays some centers got some snapping down and i think penn state wants him to be their center of the future um, so, but he, but he also has the ability to remember when McGovern got here, he played tackle right away. So there's a lot of comparisons that you can make with those guys. So I'm, I'm excited to see his progress really liked what I saw from his sophomore film and he's going to continue to get better. Honestly, I don't say this very much for, for Penn state guys, but I thought he was a little low in the, in the top two, four, seven, you know, I think he's a really good player. I think he's, you know, potentially a top one hundred and fifty guy, top 200 guy. So for him to be in the back end of that top two, four, seven is a great starting point, but I thought, you know, maybe he thought, I thought maybe he'd be a little bit higher. Uh, Cooper got to campus for spring practice uh, not too long ago, uh, spent that time, as you'd imagine, posted up uh, watching Phil Troutwine go to work with that offensive line group. Uh, he plans on getting back for, for a couple more practices, including, as we mentioned, uh, the blue-white game. And, and we'll see if he has company soon in that 2024 class. I know he's chomping at the bit to build what he says will be a dominant class Um you got to start, and he is the starter. Uh, a lot of a lot of work to be done, though, in that cycle. Sean, this weekend, a um, bit of a scramble uh, some, uh, in terms of who's coming, who's not. We've talked about some of those Florida prospects, one of which is confirmed to be heading to campus. Marcus Stokes, the quarterback, uh, four-star prospect, picked up a Penn State offer last time he was in town during the winter, um, and, and he's been making the. He's kind of been on the circuit this spring, trying to figure out where his recruitment is heading next. 
Yeah, Marcus Stokes, um, we, we talked about the South Florida guys coming up. Uh, they were coming up to the Pylon 7-on-7 uh, seven seven in Pittsburgh over this weekend, which unfortunately was canceled. Um, so very much up in the air for guys like Brandon Innes, Santana Fleming, some of those guys. Um, Stokes is not part of that crew, so he's going to come up uh, on his own on Thursday and Friday and check some things out. Second visit for him, his last visit uh, you know, was his first Power 5 offer. Penn State came through with his, as his first Power 5 offer, so... They've forged that relationship. They've done some nice things. There's there's going to be some things that are out of Penn State's control here, like Florida, like Florida State. Uh, you know those those schools closer to home that did not sign a five star quarterback last year. Um, as we mentioned before, it's going to make it tough on Penn State to you know fill their fill their quarterback uh, slot with a, a high priority guy. Um, but, uh, you know, th this is a situation where they've identified Stokes early and maybe that's something that pays off in the long run. So he's going to, he's going to see a lot of schools. A lot of coaches are going to see him throw this spring. And I think they're going to be impressed. Um, so we'll, 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 you know, deal with that in the long run for the, for the quarterback, uh, recruiting picture, Penn state's pretty much done all they could at this point. It's just, you're, you're going to after after signing two in 2022, that's going to be working against you in 2023. Uh, keep on track with all the recruiting news that comes our way in the next few days and transfer portal news potentially over at lines247.com. We're going to wrap up this podcast with a reach into the five-star mailbag. Sean, and it, it through three weeks essentially of spring ball, by the way, Penn State uh, having their first scrimmage of spring ball on a Friday night should be a, a little bit of a high-stakes situation, especially for these guys who haven't had much of a role thus far. Um, you can bet that film will be looked at with a fine-tooth comb. Shockingly, we're not going to be invited to it, but it's happening on Friday night. And, and here's the question for us at really what is the, the just past the midway point of these spring practices. What is the primary concern and a pleasant surprise to you through a few weeks of Penn State spring practice? Sean, I feel like we could just count that from three and say the concern, the offensive line. I mean, uh, you could probably take it in another direction if you'd like, but why? I mean, why? the offensive line, to me, it's it's you knew that you were going to have to load up a, a, a small group with a, a lot of reps. And, and we're getting small peaks one time a week. So we don't know what this looks like on a day-to-day -day basis. But to me, my concern is, that that's still happening, but you're not getting the continuity from what we have seen that maybe you had hoped with guys working alongside each other, starting to get a feel for each other. Um, look, it's it's just there's no way to sugarcoat it at this point. Uh, and I know folks don't want to hear a sugarcoat the offensive line situation. So that was the concern coming in and through eight practices based on what we understand. I'm not really going to move off of that standing. Yeah, what did what did James Franklin say to Terry Smith about Daquan Hardy? Why, why are we making this so hard on ourselves? Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, you, you're looking at the numbers crunch in the offensive line, and that you you're you've got uh, you know just a, a thin line to work against. I mean, there's 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 nothing uh, there's nothing. You know, if a guy goes down, you notice it. If a guy is, uh, you know, missing a, a practice or two, you notice it. And that's going to stunt your development. And obviously, this is a group that needs as much development as possible. So I think that th there's that. Um, you could probably say the same about linebacker. But linebacker seems like, you know, you don't need, um, you know, if you have a too deep of linebacker, that's okay. You don't have a too deep on the offensive line. So I think that, yeah, I, I don't want to overthink this and say something else is is a primary concern because the the numbers at those two positions, specifically the offensive line, are definitely uh, concerning at this point. And even you know when you look at the, how long it takes to develop an offensive line, you can bring in Hunter Norzad, and that's a big piece for them, no doubt. But 
uh, is Vega Ione going to be a guy that can can contribute right away on a two deep? Is Malik uh, Malik McNeil going to be a guy that's going to come in and, and do that? I, you just you know you have questions about that as well. So, um, but on the pleasant surprise, I'm going to go with the secondary. Um, you know, we like to we like to be positive here. We like to have fun here. The secondary seems like, uh, you know, it's in a pretty solid spot right now. Of course, you've got the returning starters in Joey Porter and uh, Jair Brown, which I wanted to make a point while you were talking about Jair Brown um, earlier. And you've told that story before you've, you've had Jair and talked to him and things like that. When you want it, like Jair Brown wants it, it makes a difference. And I think that that's going to shine through. It did last year, six picks. Um, Now he's developing into a draft prospect. He's seen those teammates, the, the type of money that, that is in front of those those guys, the former teammates that are in the draft this year, and he wants it. And I think that that can't be undersold um, in terms of what he what he is able to do this season or what he's what he has in front of him this season. Beyond that, um, you feeling good about uh, the safety position? Probably feeling a little bit better about that safety position than we do typically at this time of year. Um, big fan of Jalen Reed. Uh, Keaton Ellis has been solid and steady back there. And then you add Zaki Wheatley, who's a guy that you just keep hearing buzz about. You know, I don't know that he's going to be a guy that's you know starting when when all is said and done. But if you can get a redshirt freshman that did not play much last year, played at a different position last year, to be a solid two deep guy that you can throw in there and feel comfortable with, that's a that's a really good spot to be in that secondary. Yeah, I was thinking Wheatley when when I first read this, and and I'm actually going to go with two of the first year players who are not who weren't in that huge spotlight necessarily on, on signing day uh, when we talked about some of the five stars and, and Zane Durant. I mean, just the fact that he has been able to continue to sustain what he was working on in the winter is big to me because we hear a lot of buzz about guys and what they do in the weight room and he showed up ready and he's got the right attitude and then he got on the field and all of a sudden it's still kind of a high schooler playing with big 10 caliber football players and that's pretty clear at least for the first few months maybe you maybe you take your lumps in the spring and you bounce back in august as a first year player but the fact that uh, that franklin was so quick to point him out last week again he keeps popping up in, in conversations about how he's disruptive in practice periods giving that offensive line a a lot of work and, and really pushing for an immediate role. That's big. And then I would go to the other side of the football. Nick Singleton's doing his thing, but so is Katron Allen by all accounts. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we, we should know by now that when you go to IMG Academy, especially for three years, especially at the running back position, you're going to be of the mindset that, that, you know, what it takes to step into a locker room and probably compete. But I, I didn't know physically, athletically, whether Katron Allen would be the kind of guy who would come here, stand out. Um, he, he's not going to dazzle you like some of the other freshmen we've talked about. But I'll tell you what, Katron Allen asserting himself based on everything we hear, and it, it just feels wide open right now. I know Kevon Lee is the returning kind of that incumbent, um, but it, it feels like you can get to the finish line this year, and these couple freshmen could take over the whole thing if these veterans aren't careful. Are we are we just recycling Noah Kane's now and just making Kevon Lee the new Noah Kane? Because that that scouting report you just threw out there seemed uh, vaguely vaguely familiar. <laughs> Kevon Lee incumbent. I mean, it's it's we talked about it a lot with Kevon Lee, the potential there. The you, you want to see him take that next step uh, as a running back, and Jaywan Slater has you know, publicly kind of emphasized that. Uh, we'll see. Uh, just like that offensive line, this running back room, the guys who were on the roster last year, this isn't something that they're going to be able to prove between now and the end of August. It's something that really externally, and what we're going to discuss on the podcast is going to be proven starting in September, and that's unfortunately just the way it is when you come off of the fall that they had. 
I'm, I'm second guessing myself. Did I say Kevon Lee? I, I meant Katron Allen. So I don't, I, these, these IMG <laughs> running backs, so the IMG running backs, it's got all that. So I, I apologize. He falls forward with a head of steam. He turns yeah. one yard gain into a three yard gain, that kind of conversation. Yeah. Maybe we'll get there too. We'll see. Um, but Sean, I think that's going to wrap it up for, for me. I'm running out of babysitter time. Um, and I know that, that we've covered a lot of ground here, 50 plus minutes. So thanks to you. Good to have you back. We'll talk next week. Producer Lance Glenn, of course, Thanks to him for working behind the scenes. This is the Lions 24-7 podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.